Hey there, Michelle Anderson, hostess of your podcast, Manifestor Academy for Entrepreneurs. And today I'm going to basically tell you my origin story, the catalyst for a major transformation of why I am doing what I do today, why I care so much about coaching other entrepreneurs and helping them get on the path of manifesting the business of their dreams. It did not come naturally to me to be what I am now with the coaching skill. It did, however, come pretty natural to me to have a huge fire under my butt to want something more. And this story is going to explain that. I might have to break it up into a couple of parts but that's okay. I want to make sure I go into detail here because it's really important for me to tell you how things were and what my world was like so that you can understand the nuances to what's going what really makes someone want to have a turning point because on the other side of it, I can see so many times in my life where that would have been great and helpful, but I wasn't necessarily brought to uh, the right rock bottom, basically, to make the change that I ended up making. And I will say it like this, not only was it a rock bottom, because I had been at other different kinds of rock bottoms, but... I had basically drained my resources that I had, which I would say that my resources were basically my my ideas. <laughs> I had run out of ideas, basically. And that in combination with how miserable and painful I felt is the catalyst for why I decided to get help. So... I am not going to start from the very, 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 very beginning on this episode. Eventually, I will tell that story too. But I'm going to pick up around the time where I had left my parents' home and was a young person just trying to figure out what I wanted to do with myself. And this actually wasn't a very easy task. I just was severely disconnected from who I was. I had suffered some sexual abuse as a young person and that really kind of shut me off from trusting myself. I was it was starting when I was 4 years old. So, I went from being kind of an outgoing person to kind of just really shy and and doubting my own voice and being afraid to speak up. So, that just compounded over a long time with a couple of other things in my environment um I was actually raised by people who drank a lot, so not really having the idea of what emotional intimacy looked or felt like, it was like I didn't know how to bridge that gap between the trauma I experienced and getting intimate with who I was as a person. And that just wasn't a skill set in my family at the time, unfortunately, and I love my family very much, but... um those skills and the silver lining of all that is actually how this story ended up playing out in a very chaotic way later on in my life. So as I went into the world and fought very badly with my parents, I kind of cut them off a little bit 
to try and decide at 18 and 19 years old what I wanted to do with myself. And I knew that I was a creative person, but I really hadn't engaged much in specific endeavors that I could see myself doing as an adult for a career. So it took some time for me just kind of stumbling upon some interest areas that I ended up learning in little ways at this time how to follow my desire. And that is something that I kind of accidentally did at first successfully and fits and starts. And kind of whenever I would follow my heart, things would kind of work out really easily. So I was just slightly naturally in tune with that, but I didn't connect that with the greater purpose of what I was trying to achieve, which was to have a purpose in life. I had all these false beliefs because I didn't trust my own voice. I just basically looked towards my external world of what other people were doing and what other people were thinking and saying and thought I should do. And as a shy person, I didn't get a chance to just try my own voice out or get out there and really experience and trial and error much about what my heart wanted to do, be, and have. I was just afraid. And it can be really scary to act from that place because it's a powerful place. So I essentially just didn't know who I was. And I kind of thought that having a great career and money and to be married to someone that I loved very much would fix that. And I did come from a family that my dad had a very nice career and a lot of my family members did. And it was a middle-class family as an extended whole. So it seemed like, you know, if I put education together with something I really liked, that I would have money. And I just thought, you know, I want to do something better than the way my dad did it. He worked really hard to create the family that, you know, he supported our the house we had and the clothes I had, but I just always wanted more and I, and I wanted wealth for myself. And I thought, how am I going to get that and do something really amazing? And I don't even know what that is. And I I certainly know that I want to find somebody special and that I love a lot and be with them. And I did grow up with parents that stayed married and really acted out a lot in love. And that was a nice example for me to see. So I wanted that for myself as well. So with some lots of thought actually I finally settled on going to architecture school and that'll be (laughs) a nice little story for another episode as well what inspired me to do that but it ended up being something that I thought you know I'm really drawn to this creative field that is design oriented and it makes sense to me it's something that I could apply and really kind of like see something functional from my creativity. I like this. So I loved that you could go into places with an architecture which were very academic feeling and have the philosophy and then the artistic feeling and see beauty. And there were just a lot of things that attracted me to it. And I also really was into nature and natural design and sustainable design and that was really trending at the time so this was in the early 2000s so I ended up getting into a top program I went to the University of Cincinnati's DAP program for architecture and it was really hard 
And I thrived in this atmosphere because while I kind of super hated it, it was something that really took my attention and had me focus like nobody's business, like I hadn't in a long time. And so for the six years that I was in the school, it was a very focused place where I didn't really have to think too much about who I was being out in the world. You know, college is kind of a place where you get on this path and there's an end. And until I got to the end, I didn't really think too much about what that was going to be like. So I just full force went into this experience and it was really hard and I didn't always work that great at it, but I was good at it. And I did my best to do the wackiest things and take co-ops in the craziest places because I was very, very passionate in this area. So I went to Hawaii and I worked in a bamboo village and I went to Australia and all these little stories too I will share eventually. But I was manifesting these things and at the time I didn't realize how uh, well I was doing that. I was just so focused and I was like, I wanna go do this and it would materialize. So I thought, gosh, I'm working so hard and so passionately at this. This is definitely going to work out. I'm going to be good at it. And of course, I worried about actually succeeding because the rubber hadn't met the road yet. But that's how that worked. So after I graduated, I had a job lined up where I was working at the Cincinnati Park Park Board as a horticulturalist. And I knew that I wanted to go ahead and get my experience with actual plants and park maintenance and park care while I was younger before I got too bored of it because it is really hard work and just learn that piece of spatial design and I loved it but I didn't really see a long-term path there so when I had gone on a cruise with my parents and my grandparents and you'll notice there's, there's lots of nuggets for really good stories later I met on one of our stops at the Grand Cayman Island, the person that I would then decide to marry. (laughs) And it was an instant connection. Be sure to look for the story about how I married a pirate. And there was some, I don't regret any piece of that, but um, there was, it was not a completely healthy connection. So I was kind of set. I, I had met the person I wanted to marry. I was very preoccupied with getting to know him after we returned from the cruise. And we had only met in person for a little bit, but we talked on the phone and I went to go visit him. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go down and be with this guy and live in the Caribbean. This is my ticket. I'm going to be in the Caribbean. I've graduated in a, a degree that I love, something that I'm going to be able to use. And I'm... I'm starting my life, and I'm never going to come back to Cincinnati. There's no point. I'm going to be in the tropics, and I've got my husband that I want, and my job is going to start, and things are going to be perfect. So I wasn't super in tune at the time with some of the red flags along the way with his personality at all. They were real blind spots. So I got rid of all my winter clothes, and quit my job. And basically my last day of my job was the day of the recession of when that really hit of 2008. (laughs) So 
I went down to the Cayman Islands and um, this would have been a pretty stable job to have and I was well liked there. So once I got down there and checked in with all the people that I was supposed to interview with, which were architects and interior designers, they weren't hiring anymore. The recession had basically hit the design world in a really big way and that just wasn't going to be a place for me to find a job for a while and I was going to come to learn that. So I was jobless for uh, three months there and I went around and everything was constricted so the the only people getting jobs on the island were basically the locals and the expat British that were coming down and already lived there so they kicked me out. I came back to Cincinnati right when it was getting cold. <laughs> my tail between my legs and my plan was crumbling a little bit. But I'm pretty good at kind of putting, making lemonade out of lemons. So I thought, you know, I, I know I, I, I fit in this field. I, I've become really passionate about it. I've sought out a lot of things that I like about it. This is all going to work. And I'm going to figure out how to get my husband here. And, and I'm just going to do this really well. I'm going to try and, and be good at it. And I'm passionate. And even though I was going around the world and learning, and I ended up traveling to China and Sweden, and again, I manifested these trips. I went to Sweden for free and Latvia for free and studied and watched and lived with other really cool designers and stuff. So that stuff was just going cool. Well, I wasn't manifesting a career yet, but I was absorbing a lot. But no matter where I went around the world, I just was so disconnected from who I was. I was still lonely and I traveled alone sometimes, but I just felt empty, even when I was with people, even when I was with my husband, uh, I just, I didn't know what my purpose was, even though I was driven really hard to figure it out, I just felt this hunger inside, like something was missing, and I thought I could find it out there by doing things, and having things like the right relationship, and a home, and I never felt comfortable in my own skin. And really, the other piece of this too, I just had a really low self-worth. When I started to see like what kind of income was coming to me and what I was manifesting, it was disappointing. Like I just... I, during this time when I had moved to the Caymans and didn't have a job... You know, that was sad because my husband didn't really have a very good paying job either. And when I got back to Cincinnati and couldn't find a job for six months and my and I lived with my parents, that was embarrassing. I think I was 27. And they were very disapproving of my relationship and thought that he was scamming me. And it was a very ugly time, but I ended up just taking some odd jobs and working as a hostess and a retail bridal assistant. And um, 
these things kind of, you know, entertained me a little bit, but I was starting to feel really low. Like, here I've done all this work, come from a top university, I should at least have a job. And I had really envisioned working for myself someday. I really saw that for myself. But at this time, there just was this very depressing vibe and I was overqualified for a lot of the jobs that were actually open. So when I finally got what I got and pieced it together and was fighting with my parents for the second time in my life in a big way, I ended up moving in with an ex-boyfriend's parents <laughs> where I didn't pay rent. So it wasn't that I wasn't trying, but it was during this time that uh, the internet was in a far different place than where it is right now. So if you were going to go and connect with people and sort out some interest areas, you would use Craigslist more than anything. <laughs> and that's what I did. I was getting bored and my jobs and I thought, you know, I had my heart set on going into architecture at this point in time, but that is just not going to happen. But I can, without getting uh, sitting for the exam or getting experience with an architect, start freelancing as a landscape designer or even do some interiors. So I got on Craigslist and I found a person that was posting an ad and he needed some help. So I reached out to him and he said, oh gosh, I saw your resume. I have a landscape I would love to have you look at. And this was the first client I ever had. I went out there and I don't even remember how I charged this guy or if I gave him a flat fee or whatever. I, I actually wish I could remember. But that was my first freelance experience. And I will tell you how, how it went on the next episode because that piece is going to actually reveal my big turning point. So I will tell you a little bit more about that job and then let you take a break and visit the next piece of the story. Anyways, that ended up being a really successful relationship. And this person hired me not just for that project, but a few other projects. And the cool thing about it was that um, he probably understood kind of what I was going through. And he also brought me on to do some odd jobs and personal assisting and stuff like that. But then he started giving me some referrals. This is where I really started to get good and my mind started cooking. And I was thriving in this area. And I was starting to understand that I had something that a lot of my fellow students didn't have, which was a really great way of handling a client. And I was really entrepreneurial in spirit, even if I didn't have a lot of the skill sets. So this was very exciting. It just kind of naturally unfolded, you know, one thing unfolded after the next and I was always a very excited person. And if you sit with Jenny and Eddie today, the two people that I lived with while I was doing this freelancing, they will tell you that I sat at their kitchen table many, many times <laughs> and cooked up business ideas. So Hop on to the next episode to hear the rest of the story and what my rock bottom looked and felt like. And I will probably surprise you a little bit with how that turned out. 